With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. No intro? Maybe not? Okay. I saw it. You, you saw I didn't. Oh, well, welcome <laughs> into episode 256 of the Source to Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. Source to Say is, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations that's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health in a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again in a non-car setting <laughs> for, for Sean Smith. Sean, how the heck are you, buddy? Um, I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm not sitting on the side of the road, and I'm not sitting in my car trying to uh, borrow internet from somewhere. I'm no longer mobile and I'm settled in and life is slowing down a little bit. Oh, Mark Maggard says I look better when I was using a, a potato for a Wi-Fi router. <laughs> it is what it is, but yeah, you're in Lexington and we got some uh Big news coming at some point, not ready to be announced quite yet, but you are now officially stationed. And I guess we could say that you're coaching. You are now going to be coaching in Lexington and we'll just yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. No, 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 no behind the scenes. Like you don't get anything beyond just Sean Smith will be coaching in Lexington, Kentucky. What level that means. We, we will see. Yeah. Uh, sooner, sooner. It, it's, it's coming. Like I'll, I'll be able to actually say something. Hopefully by the end of the week, I'll be able to at least tell where I'm going to be at. But it is a big move for me. It's a move up to high school basketball at a, a program that I'm really excited to to be a part of, and a lot of good stuff. And uh, really, really excited to see what is next for me in my coaching future, and to hopefully try to win a state championship. Oh, I, I like the uh, hint there. Well, uh, what a 24 hours. I guess this is the whole week has been pretty fascinating. But uh, yesterday in particular, and there were a couple people that were joking on the uh, circumstances behind the BBN podcast that KSR is pulling a round ball move, delaying the <laughs> hell out of this. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if, uh, Sean, you got around. I, I'm assuming that you got around to watching the uh, absolute nonsense. That was the Hunter Dickinson announcement. Not really an announcement, kind of, sort of commitment, but not really committing to anything type deal. Uh, holy crap, what an absolute disaster that was. Tough, tough, tough listen. Uh, just being totally transparent, man. I uh, I really struggled to get through that one. And uh, it was 37 minutes of my life I'll never get back. Um yeah, it, it was. It, it sure was something, Sean. Uh, didn't learn really 
that much that we didn't know already going into that show. And that was kind of like the tagline to close things out. Uh, they were like, oh, man, everybody's going to be so pissed that uh, they, they spent all this time and didn't learn anything else. Ha, ha, ha. We got them. And I'm like, well, kind of interesting business model to go off of to just kind of like make fun of people for wasting their time. But oh, well, that's not my thing. Uh, what did you learn from the uh, Hunter Dickinson experience on uh, what day was that? Tuesday, whatever it was. Yeah, Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, I learned to not overanalyze John Calipari's tweets and and to never assume that you're going to get some groundbreaking news when when a podcast is put out. It, no, I, I actually didn't even tune in because I already kind of knew. I just was like, "There's nothing is coming from this other than an update on where things are and visits." And I enjoyed this. I enjoyed that, and things like that. But no, we got we got absolutely nothing out of it, right? They got some really good ratings and probably a lot of downloads out of it. But other than that, not a not a whole lot. We're still kind of in the same ballpark as what we were. Uh, it's a guessing game at this point with Hunter. And I guess it was, I guess, refreshing for him to, and I think there was some real um, emotion with this when he said, I just don't know. Like, I'm, I'm really, really struggling with this decision. And he said, I think some of the more revealing comments that he said is any of my four options. So for being everybody but Georgetown that he was considering before, Kentucky, Kansas, Maryland, Villanova. Um, he unofficially cut Georgetown. I had heard earlier in the day that Georgetown was told that they were no longer being considered. So we're at least getting some type of progress yeah. being made uh, with this. But uh, he said, I could see myself fitting in at any of those four options. And he said, it's kind of what makes the, difficult, the dis decision so difficult because – I do see a fit at all four places. You know, he could go to Maryland and be a superstar. He could go to Villanova and, you know, kind of that, are they growing to be blue blood status? You know, Kyle Neptune, new coach and, you know, culture being built there. Like uh, there's some intrigue there. It's close to home, two hours away, Kansas and Kentucky, the two blue bloods. Like he, I was told going into this visit, into this process that he really valued, you know, he was kind of trying to weigh, do I want to play for a blue blood and win a national championship versus make a ton of NIL money staying close to home? Like those were the two kind of weighing factors in his mind. And if one of those two options, <clears throat> Kansas could provide both of those that it would be, it would make sense fit wise. So that's why going into this, I guess yesterday I had this mindset of, I heard some things behind the scenes about Kansas and um, it's lack of uh, shyness regarding its confidence and just kind of spouting off about, you know, we're going to match whatever offers out there uh, for him. And, and we're confident where things stands. It, all the other coaching staffs involved, uh, just knowing what I know, they liked where things stood, but none, none of them carried the kind of arrogance that Kansas carried with it. And uh, I was told that they were doing some pretty serious negative recruiting, especially toward Kentucky. I think they saw Kentucky as their biggest, knowing that he liked the blue blood pitch and, uh, playing for a title contender that they were actively negatively recruiting against Kentucky and uh, Kentucky just kind of had some stuff to battle against and just being totally transparent. Uh, I was told that Hunter's family loved the facilities and and just kind of the, the upgrades that Kansas had, had underwent. And, you know, they kind of had the traditional feel and the, the historic aspect, but also a, a sense of, you know, real modernism. Like they, they were really impressed with the upgrades and just the, the how updated everything looked. Uh, and unfortunately, they just didn't get that feel at, at Kentucky. I will say they did like at, at Kentucky the strength and conditioning program, the player development uh, coach that Hunter kind of slid in there that is being added to the staff. And 
I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, it was kind of the first time that I'd heard some, you know, pretty significant like Kansas or Kansas was kind of night and day facility wise versus Kentucky. And I think that's something that has to get addressed, whether Kentucky gets Hunter or not. Like you can't just have recruits openly saying like we saw with Trey Young back in the day, like you can't have recruits openly saying that the facilities just have weren't good enough at, at Kentucky. Yeah, and, and that's something, like you said, that has to get addressed, which kind of feeds into John Calipari's thing about a practice facility, right? Like that's, that's the reason Cal has been pushing that for, for a while now. But yeah, this is a tough decision for, for Hunter and when it comes not just to NIL but fit and role and, and how things play out. And here it is. We are now officially into May. So we would like, I keep doing this whole time frame of when the roster should be set and when we should know. And I kept setting it at middle May. And I mean, I, I still think that we're trending towards that and having an idea of what Kentucky's roster would look like. But this is a big decision that impacts Kentucky's future because we still have no idea what's going to happen with Oscar Sheboy. We have no idea where that situation is going to be. Uh, if, if Kentucky misses on both, where does Kentucky go? Like that's, those are all things that we can't, we don't have to discuss at this point, but we could here in, in a week or so. But I, I think it was big that, you know, you mentioned the strength and conditioning coach and and those things. Like those were the key things to get him to campus to see the the other things that he hadn't got to see in the past. So I thought that that was big to to hear that from him and, and stuff. But you got to address the facilities. Like if it's coming out of this and you got this caliber of a recruit on campus and or this caliber of a transfer and you find out that somebody else's facilities are better than yours, that is instant needs to be fixed because that's not just any program. That's an elite blue blood program in college basketball that you were trying to compete against in recruiting and everything else in the country. And, and when you know that they're negatively recruiting against you and you know that, you know, just talking about what they were talking, you know, they, they had roster concerns about Hunter going to Kentucky and saying you know, that there's not a, a pretty, a clear fit fit there. Uh, also had some coaching concerns and, you know, uh, just, player relationships and things that Hunter really values said talking to people, you know, people that we trust and know you're not going to get that at Kentucky compared to what you're going to get here uh, at Kansas. They were already going in at a disadvantage, not disadvantage, but having to answer and address concerns on Hunter's side because of some negative recruiting tactics on, on Kansas's side. If you're already going to have that on a short visit, he already, he already mentioned that the visit was only like 24 hours. You don't, need to add on a disadvantage with facility upgrades and having to kind of throw that in. And it's not night and day. Look, he's going to be there for one year. He has two years of eligibility, but I think this is going to be a one, one stop situation. So having, I mean, facilities will not be done by the time Hunter's on campus no. anyway. So it's not really the point. And he, he's not going to make a decision solely based on that, but it's, it's a big picture issue that I have personally. Well, that it just, it, there's no excuse for that to be kind of the, a week later, things kind of marinating a little bit. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of shocked at how old and tired was the exact quote that I got on on Kentucky stuff. Like, that's – you're Kentucky, man. Like, that that has to get figured out. Well, and, and that's the thing here, right? So, when, when we're talking about the facilities, like, let's say you, you, you agree that it's not going to have the final say-all say when it comes to where Hunter Dickinson plays college basketball next season. Like, we know that it's going to come down to more NIL fit, things like that. But if that – you have to think John Calipari's probably like, see, I told you so a little bit to, to maybe Mitch and some others. Like, hey, we've got to update these things. And when you have a kid of that caliber saying it, you know John Calipari's probably right now thinking, okay, what can we do to make this better ASAP? 
because you, like you said, you can't have a school that's negatively recruiting against you with your on-court stuff, be able to negatively recruit against you with your facilities and the other things as well. And if Kansas is going to do it or whoever, everybody else is going to latch onto it as well. And that's, that's part of today's recruiting world is what are your facilities? How modern are they? And something that was updated six years ago probably almost needs to have something updated to it again. That's just the age that, w- that we live in. And, and it doesn't uh, need to be a, a $10 million upgrade, no. you know, a whole new practice. Like, but just keep one new thing here. Like just keep adding the, you know, even if it's a, uh, and I know they're doing the NBA player stuff and like, just put a new fat head up every once in a while, put a new yeah. like statue of like, you know, it doesn't have to be this, multi-million dollar big picture blueprint plan like just keep adding the freshness and the appeal to keep that you know the 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 swagger aspect of kentucky at at an all-time high where it needs to be i mean this is a program deserving of that gold standard stuff and uh that that's not a gold standard pitch coming out of out of that visit so it's not and and i guess the one positive to to maybe to not be concerned about it is kentucky did land DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, number one recruiting class with facilities that they have. Like the facilities aren't going to be, to me, the determining factor of where Kentucky is going to slide in recruiting. But you still want to be, if you are the gold standard and you claim to be, you still want to be the gold standard in every category and every area you can be. And facilities is one of those areas. And we know that Kentucky needs an update. So uh, on the player development guy, as Hunter um, spilled the beans on, and we we named this guy on this show uh, in the past, uh, John Welch, a longtime NBA assistant, father of Riley Welch, uh, a guy who's been in the NBA since 2003. I mean, that's almost two decades worth of, of experience in the league. Um, for I, I've heard amazing things about X's and O's scouting, like something that was a very, very clear downside to this past season and, and, and the current coaching staff. It, it was missing. I mean, it, I was told that he would be taking on that John Robic role, uh, and that guy has been missing on this staff for several years now. And I love the decision to add him in that capacity. And the fact that hearing a co like hearing a player of Hunter's caliber leave a visit because they were on the visit like in Lexington together. And it was kind of, it was cool that that overlap was able to happen. Um, It was cool seeing kind of the, you know, Hunter singling that out specifically, you know, because he brought up uh, on the podcast last time that he wanted to see the strength and conditioning program, Brady Welsh and, and uh, just what that had to do with, because that's a new, uh, new addition since, since uh, Hunter first took an unofficial visit back uh, in, in high school. Um, it was cool seeing, hearing him address that head on and say, you know, it was everything I'd hoped it would be, but to single out the player development guy, John Welch is, you know, a a reason for interest in Kentucky. It's exactly what you want to hear. Um, and I do think that that's going to be something that could be, I don't know the exact role, like name, like, I think it's just going to be like player development, special assistant with player development or something like that. I don't know, but uh, I do think that that's going to come down the pike at some point in, in the near future. And uh, I think it's a huge addition. And we talked last week about how those two visits or whatever were kind of overlapping and it was an unfortunate thing. It actually ended up being a positive thing, yeah. right? Like when you, when you get the name, you get it mentioned and, and talked about. So we know that that's an important thing and I, I'm with you. I, I think it's a great move by Cal. I think it's a great move by Kentucky to to add that to its staff and, 
Uh, we've talked a lot about not just roster construction and stuff this offseason, but we've talked a ton about the needs on the staff and what needs to be addressed and what needs to be added and, and things like that. And I, I'm, I've always been of the belief that you, you can't have too many guys. You can't have too many boots on the ground, especially when it comes to leading a program like the University of Kentucky. You, you need guys in roles. Not everybody needs to be doing – somebody doesn't need to be doing two or three things. You, you get somebody to do that one thing. That way the other people can focus on what they're elite at and what they're best at. And I think that this is a great move for the program. And that leads to my next – you know, that, that's good news. But that also leads to my next concern um, about the staff and the lack of movement um, to name an assistant in replacement of KT Turner. Um, Cal has been vetting – quite a bit and has liked some of the options and has gotten deep in conversations with some of these, these options. And, you know, we've talked about some of the names floating around, you know, ranging from the grassroots uh, circuit to other high major assistants to the NBA ranks. I mean, he's been trying, you know, Josh Passner, former uh, head coach. I mean, he has been kind of trying to hit all different areas. And I even had a new name come through, uh, not allowed to share the name quite yet, but it's an AAC coach that, um, kind of an under-the-radar under guy that it would be an absolute home run had things, you know, and could, I mean, still technically on the table, but just not a lot of traction here. And, and it sucks because I think we're already, we're already two evaluation periods through with the recruiting yeah. season. You only have two more. And the latest I've heard is that we might see the current trio of assistants right now just kind of finish out the summer and kind of just not focus on that right now because there's so much other stuff going on with, um, uh, you know, recruiting and transfer portal and, you know, looking ahead to 2025 and 2026. And there's just so much on the table. And, and I just don't know if I agree with that mindset. Like I, I, I think Bruiser Flint has a role on this staff, but to just leave him in as the third guy, when you have two other spots to fill on the staff now that, that you can have five, like I, I just, I think that's a little bit too comfortable, I think. And I, I, I think Cal, I'd heard Cal was trying to get creative and even though he hasn't found anybody that he's really, really fallen in love with and like a aha, oh, I got to go sign that guy. Like, I think he's got to keep working at that. I think he can't just, just get content with those three guys and say, eh, we're already almost through the summer. Might as well just pack up and, take the guys we have right now. Like I think Cal needs to keep digging and finding that guy. But as of right now, there's not really a whole lot of movement. The live periods. And I think the next one, what I know Nike has theirs in Dallas, the 12th or the 14th and then, and then Memphis. And uh, I plan on being at the one in, in Memphis for other reasons other than just working. But um those are, I, I agree with you. I think that getting your full staff and stuff there and, and everything and, and being able to evaluate and, and recruiting. And then you got Peach Jam will be the, the next one when it gets to that point. But you, you, Kentucky staff will be in place by then because they play. Yeah. Around that same time. I mean, there's not a, I mean, that's, that's a big July coming up. But I'm with you. I think that you need to have all your faces kind of out there and rolling right now to kind of get a – not really putting a wrap on what's going on with this class. Like, that's done. Like, we know that whoever comes in isn't going to have an impact on whether Hunter Dickinson transfers to Kentucky or not. Like, that's not going to be where it starts. But getting moving with this next class, having your staff in place for recruiting, 
having your staff in place for these workouts and stuff when these guys get on campus a month from now. That's what's hard to believe. Like we're talking, we don't know what the roster is going to look like in four weeks. They're going to be arriving on campus to get started, to get ready for the summer. So I do think that it's something that needs to be addressed soon because we've known that that coaching vacancy has been there for what, almost two months now. Mm-hmm. So it's, getting pretty close like you you need to get somebody in place and, and get something there pretty quickly in my opinion like you you want to have this staff finalized around the same time you get your roster finalized preferably in the third guy should have already been a stat like we should be on the two extra guys that cal has and like john welch is is one of those guys and i and i i love that decision and i think it's it's a a great one on cal's part but it shouldn't be looking at the secondary guys right now. Like he should be looking for that home run guy to fill that third spot. Um, and it's weird because there, like there was a name that came up that I was like, well, that would be, you know, that would make a lot of sense. And, and I, I but it's exactly what I was looking for. And, uh, and then just things kind of died down and, you know, kind of poked at Kentucky. It was like, you know, what have you heard about, you know, this? And it's like, hmm, not, not a whole lot. It's just, it's very weird. Like, we should, that should have already been nailed down. And, and, you know, a part of it is just Cal hasn't fallen in love with um, anybody in particular. And I, I just think you got to not settle. Like you, you got to find, uh, find somebody out there to, you know, I, I like the scouting approach with John Welch, but I do think that we need to dive a little bit more into, if not, you know, player relationships or, you know, the X's and O's, I think recruiting is going to be just fine. So I don't know. We'll see how, yeah. how that unfolds, but not enough movement for my liking uh, in that regard. Do you think this is a move with the staff, with this assistant coach, that he adds an assistant coach that has a future as a possible head coach? Or do you think that this is an assistant coach that is maybe polished in that role that has done well just as an assistant coach that maybe has been a head coach in his past or at some point? What what, what do you think is going to be kind of the final say with this? Do you think it's going to be a young guy that has aspirations of being – a head coach, or do you think it's going to be maybe a guy that's kind of ingrained in his role as an assistant that's looking for just a, maybe a new opportunity, something at a place like Kentucky? The name that came up last week that was new was a young guy, and it was a, you know, not a full-time name brand type of kid, you know, and, and that's why I was kind of excited by it. I was like, oh, I mean, it it takes digging to find that name, you know? So it's not like a Josh Pastner where it's like, oh, well, you know, that uh, duh. But that's kind of yes. why I was intrigued by it because it was like, damn, that that takes a lot of vetting and a lot of digging to, to find that guy. So, it, And I'm, we've I'm been talking that, young guy, right? Like that's the thing that me and you've been talking about. Go get a young guy that is going to come in here and grind in that role that is given a bigger plate than maybe what he's had in the past. And that, that's what I'm hoping it is. Um, and, and there's a lot of talk about Rondo. Gerald Minton says update on Rondo and the BBN podcast says Rondo. Um, he was taking full-time classes this past year, putting himself in position to be on the staff as a student assistant, a full-time student assistant, the exact same role that, that uh, Tyler Eulis was in. I was told early on in the spring that he, the, those conversations were still ongoing, but there is a hiccup with his AAU program, they're trying to get that into um, like an EYBL program. And that'd be a clear conflict of interest. He, he would not be allowed to be on staff if he had his own AAU program on the EYBL circuit. So uh, that's something they're trying to navigate right now. Um, the fact that the conversations are still ongoing makes me feel good. But 
I don't know. Part of me is like, man, it, it, it sucks because Rondo is an established name and there's he he cares about his community and kids in Kentucky and Louisville, especially where he grew up. Like, do you spend one year on the Kentucky staff just for the sake of doing it as a student assistant or, you know, in to sacrifice kind of helping young kids find themselves as a, an AAU basketball player and, you know, trying to help them establish, you know, kind of for the next generation, it's kind of one of those like selfish decisions versus, you know, doing what's best for maybe his own personal gain as a coach, but also setting up his, the next generation of athletes. So it's kind of one of those, um, I'm less confident now about it unfolding the way it, it could um, because of that hurdle. But the fact that there's still conversations ongoing about it. And, and, you know, I think that there, there could be some other schools that try to step in and, um, maybe throw similar offers or put him in a similar spot. Like I, I think it's going to be competitive. It's not just going to be a cut and dry type deal. But conversations had still been ongoing uh, entering this off season. So uh, it, it, I wish there was better news and more concrete stuff about that. But you know, it's just kind of the nature of the beast when you're dealing with a you know world champion NBA player wow. who's known as one of the most brilliant minds in basketball. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're kind of at that period here where we knew we would get to where there's news, but there's not a ton of news. Like, there's not anything that we can come on here and say it's 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 final. It, it's the last step. It's this. Like, you know, maybe for a brief moment, we might have thought that we would have something on Hunter Dickinson official by now. But all we got was anticipation of a podcast that dropped at 4.30 and got nothing out of it besides John Calipari kind of making me think that, it's like, okay, Cal put four o'clock in this tweet for a reason. Like that's, that's intentional, but then come out and it's nothing. So we're, we're in that in between here, Jack, where we have something, but not what we want, but we know that pretty soon it's going to pick up a ton. And then every episode moving throughout the month is probably going to have some probably breaking news on it with something to do with this roster, whether it be players coming back, whether it be added players from the portal players, maybe making their, final decision on, on their future, like an Oscar Shibway. We still got to talk about what happens with that. The coaching staff, there's so much to still play out over the next three to four weeks. And I, I noticed a comment earlier talking about, you know, when are we going to have something on a do and Lance and Jack, I'm kind of of the belief that nothing has to be said from a do and Lance. Like Lance posted a picture from the Joe craft center today. It was with Lil Wayne. I will <laughs> say, I mean, duh, he's going to post a picture of that, but he's there with a do theory. And, you know, Damian Collins is even still, cause they're wrapping up this spring semester. Like, I mean, you, you gotta be on campus, but I, I, I think barring, you know, Ron Holland gets added to the, to, yeah. to the, to, to the roster and Oscar Sheboy comes back. You know, if, if there are just too many mouths to feed, and Lance Ware is kind of looking at it like, man, there is not a single path for me to earn any playing time next season. I think that would change things. And the do Thero, kind of a similar situation. If, you know, Cal falls in love with fill in the blank, you know, uh, uh, Jordan Dingle or, you know, whatever. And I, I know Kentucky does have interest in him, but I think that's kind of like a um, just weighing, weighing what other options, what happens with Antonio Reeves, what happens with Chris Livingston and, and kind of, fitting him in somewhere there, but Adu wants a spot. Like Adu wants a, an opportunity. And I think that's totally fair. He was brought in to be a project guy, but you also can't 
pitch a project guy role and then never give him the opportunity to prove himself that he's developing. So it's kind of that happy as of it's kind of like as of right now, a is coming back. Like his dad told me the plan as of right now is to return to Kentucky. But if they add a couple new guys in the portal, obviously a would have to look, look at his different options. So it's, it's, it's just complicated with those two guys in particular, as of right now, I think they're both back, but it's still not as, as clear as it, as it probably could be because of yeah. just what else is out there in the, in the portal. Yeah. And I guess what I was getting at is they could not say a word and then just be there at the end of the month or beginning of June when players move in on campus Very and begin workouts. Like, you know, that's, that's entirely possible too. And, and a do is an intriguing piece. Like I, I know I said this maybe last week or the week before, but where a do plays, I think, I don't know if it's set in stone at this point. Like, is he a guard with the ball in his hands? Is he going to make the transition to a forward? If he continues to grow and add weight to his frame, like, I think that his versatility and his frame is kind of it gives him some flexibility when it comes to where he could slide in and find a role. I don't think he's pigeonholed and just being at one spot. And I think that that maybe makes him probably one of the most intriguing guys that could be on this roster a year from now because I could see him helping out at multiple positions depending on what happens with injuries, what happens with role and playing time and, and fit. And a guy that knows your system that's been here I think that that's important too. And I, I, w- I would love to see a do Thiero stay on this roster because I think that maybe not this coming season, but a year from now, we're going to be sitting here. If he's still on the UK roster talking about, a, I think a significant step forward as a junior. Yeah. And, and did you see the new picture update that his dad put out? <laughs> yeah. him? I mean, my God, that dude is, is yep. an absolute tank. And I think that's kind of the fun thing. And I, I've said this on the show several times. That that's the fun part about him and how the staff is kind of viewing him. It's like, man, he's, he like, how do you know what he's going to be until he's done growing? Like he just, you know, look, I mean, look at him. He is a tank. He He's, he is Chris Livingston's body right now. You know, and we're talking about Chris Livingston being a small ball four and roll and all that stuff. And you have a Thero who came in as a six, two point guard playing that, you know, majority of his career to like, it's, now he's six, seven to 20. It's like, it's, it's a later version of Anthony Davis's growth spurt is what it is. Like, obviously, Anthony Davis went from point guard to what he is, and we're not calling a do Thiero Anthony Davis, but I'm just saying it's rare that you get a guy on campus that his body changes the way that it has, not just in size with, like, weight, but, like, height. Like, I mean, this is a kid that's been growing since he since he got here, and that's where I think that he kind of has some options. Like, does he transition to more of a three? If he keeps growing, does he play a small ball four role? I, I don't know. Like, I think that there's options there that he has that maybe some other guys don't have. And, and I think that that's why I hope they find a way to keep him in Lexington. I don't know what the role will be this year. I, I'm not expecting him to play a ton if he's on this roster, but I think if he stays committed to the process of this, that I think a junior season, you could be talking about a guy that's been in this program for two years that's gone through a lot and played with a lot of talented players and gained some experience that could be a key guy that we're talking about in returning and adding experience to next year's team with a larger role. Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see what that role is going to be just play style-wise because he's fun. Like, he's just really fun. And, and I know there was a lot of talk that he's really struggled in practice and – trusting him to play the way he had it at times and in games. And like uh, there were times that it was rough. Like uh, he's not a polished product and it's going to take a minute. Like that's why he came in and why there was so much trust 
built up. So it, it's just he is like the the perfect case of like man, he could be the next like big player development guy uh, that Cal has that you could kind of look long term. Like man, that's that that's that that was a cool success story uh, with with him long term. And, and we know that Cal doesn't just throw out scholarships. Like how many times have fans complained in the past that he doesn't fill them all? Every and year. I think, and, and me and you, when we first found out about a do like a year or so ago, we were like, what, what is happening here? Is this a preferred walk on? Is this just to maybe boost his recruitment and getting some interest from somewhere back home? No, they offered him a scholarship and they, and they, and he took it. That, that tells you that Cal sees something long-term project wise commitment because he's not going to just hand out a, a scholarship to a, a, a friend or a family friend or a former player's child. Like that, that's what, where I think a do has a future in this program, it's just uh, you, you hope that he doesn't feel the pressure to get out and find it immediately. Because I do think that there is a spot for him in Lexington, whether that be in 23, 24, but I think it's, it's more so 24, 25 is where his role is needed the most. Uh, Andrew Bates says, seems like Chris is the reason they didn't go after Mbako. That, that Mbako is the reason why Kentucky didn't go after Mbako. And, and part of the reason why they were intrigued with, Ron Holland. And, and I think that's more of just, you know, they, they've been in love with Ron Holland ever since, like, I mean, they've been in love with him for a minute, but it feebos is really when staff was like, yeah. like, damn dude, that he's just kind of a plug and play guy with anybody. Uh, Mbako Cal never really loved, but loved the connection with DJ and Aaron. And I, I know there was a lot of talk about, you know, just kind of fit wise. He kind of on paper seems like he'd be the perfect fit alongside, uh, you know, at that kind of what Chris Livingston was kind of, Fans kind of hoped that he would be at that maybe small ball four, stretch four kind of guy, but uh, they didn't win a whole, whole lot. Uh, the Scholars didn't this past year. And to have three of those guys as the kind of anchors of your team, it's not, I think, not from, in my opinion, not something that I would personally want to explore. And, and I, I know he's a big name, but I think part of the emphasis on, on Ron was just like, man, he, he's a plug and play guy that would, would, fit on any roster and uh, really clear up a lot of any concerns and, and kind of solidify roles for me, uh, especially where, you know, Justin uh, Edwards, I think can slide over and be a, a four if necessary. Uh, I think he's definitely more of a three and he fits in, in that role pretty, pretty firmly. And, and I think having him alongside Ron Holland and then, uh, you know, Bradshaw or whoever you want at the five. I mean, I, I think that would be the ideal role for me just on paper, but if, if Ron were to end up at Kentucky, do you have any concerns about pieces that could possibly shift and go elsewhere if they add a guy like Ron? Like, is there any concern that someone could maybe look at that and think, okay, what what is my role? Yes, I do. And it's not like super cool. Like you don't have to do much digging to hear it either. Um, it's something that Kentucky knows about and is addressing internally. And like, it's, it's, but it's something that has been a conversation um, trying to navigate the Hunter stuff yeah. and Oscar coming back and all that. Like the, it, there does come a point where, you know, with Ugo and uh, you, you, fight to bring him back and there's a lot of excitement about him long term and uh, you know think of the process with Aaron Bradshaw getting him to commit to Kentucky get think about the he was going to commit in at, right after you know he told me at MBPA top 100 camp in Orlando that I'm I know where I'm going I'm really excited like this let's get this done 
Uh, and then there's this random three months threat, three month stretch where he kind of has to take a step back and go, well, you know, I really need to weigh my options a little bit more. And it, it was just, and he worded some things really weirdly, like, uh, are you ready to make your commitment? And he said, I, I've chosen a college for right now. And somebody said, what about the pro route? Is that something that you're exploring? And he said, well, I'm going to make a college commitment right now. It's, 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 you know, if there was somebody that would have some something to say, I do think that it would be Aaron Bradshaw, and that's something that Kentucky would have to address. But you can't worry about that right now. Like you gotta, you, you gotta fill out your roster as is right now, and then kind of navigate those waters as they come. I guess is the best way to put it. Understanding the speculation and talk that's out there, while also moving forward and building the roster as you, as it lays out currently. So it, it's complicated. But if there was one, that would be. Um, my personal concern. Um, were you going to say something? I, I didn't. Well, I was just going to say that when you add a player, if you add a player of that caliber, it obviously it it makes things at least complicated to some degree, especially this late. But and we're talking about Ron Holland here. Like we're we're talking about like a lot of like there's a lot of schools out there that would add Ron Holland to its roster right now. And uh, but. I don't know. I just wanted to. I just wanted to ask you that and get your thoughts to see if if you were concerned because I obviously had my concerns as well. Because that's a good good when, question from Connor. Would you rather have Holland or Bradshaw? Yeah, I was about to ask you the same thing because I saw that that comment and Stephen put it up on the screen. Um, I'll let you take that first. Um, is it one or the other, or is it? I think that would probably be. Um, I don't know. It's kind. Of, it, I mean, it just depends on did, if if you strike out on both Hunter and Oscar. I don't think so, but I, exactly. I, I also think Kentucky will have one of those two on their roster. So it, you know, it's just kind of there's there's a bunch of moving parts and uh, trying to navigate that. But on paper, for what this team is going to do and fit wise, I think Ron Holland is the better fit. I do, and, I, and I think I, I think he is a plug and play guy. You don't have to kind of build around him. He's just kind of going to get his no matter what. And I, I just I, I think it, the fit is better there, but it's, you know, I, I'm not going to complain about either. They're both top no. 10 talents in basketball. And that's what I was about to say. It, it's not about who you want more over the other. It's it's about looking at fit and what Kentucky would have. And, and I do think that he would be a better fit for what fans want and what Kentucky wants to do. But – both are extremely talented, and you'd love for there to be some way to have both. But if, if Hunter Dickinson or Oscar Shibway is here, I, I don't see that happening. And I'm with you. I, I do think that one of those guys will be on Kentucky's roster at the five. Like, I think that that's probably uh, – I feel safe in, in saying that I think that one of them will be. I don't know which one it will be, but I think that once Kentucky gets its five spots solidified, and I think it all comes down to does Antonio Reeves – announce his return to Kentucky. And I, I think that's really the main decision is what Kentucky looks like on the interior at the five spot. Yeah. And we're in the middle of uh, the draft process. Workouts have started. And um, this is when, you know, talking to Antonio's side, uh, this is when they kind of said they would sit down and, you know, they wanted to take this seriously and figure out what was next. And I, I think they understand that the uh, NIA, like the money is going to be better, back at Kentucky and they understand that they are, they do not want to be uh, living in the G league. So uh, that is, 
definitely, I think, going to be the next big decision. I, I, I think we're right in the heat of that, and I wouldn't be shocked if he's kind of the next one to, to come down the pike. And uh, they, they got, you know, a little quiet there for a second because they, they were pretty outspoken that about, you know, I think coming back is going to be the best option. And But I do think that they're really wanting to get to the bottom of this NBA stuff and just see what his future looks like and, uh, you know, weighing, weighing those options. But I, I do think that's going to unfold. But Oscar Sheway is right in the middle of it too. I was told that he has a couple more uh, workouts to sift through before uh, reaching a final decision. And I, I don't know. It just it feels just on the outside looking in that Oscar there there has been some massaging that has needed to be done about just I I, I don't know it's it's touchy but some massaging on Oscar and more so the people around him about uh, what the expectations would be should he come back to Kentucky and and all that but I think there's kind of an understanding right now that. the draft stock isn't great. Like I, I've talked to NBA scouts. They think that there's a role for him. He would have a niche, but he's not like, I mean, his upside's not super high. So it's, no. it's just one of those deals that I think he knows that he would make more at Kentucky coming back to school. And um, I don't know, just outside reading the tea leaves outside, looking in, it feels like Kentucky is going to not get Hunter Dickinson and then, kiss and make up with Oscar Sheboy and get him back for another year. Like that's just kind of me personally, my, um, you know, more so that's just, you know, more educated guess based on things that I've heard on both sides and, and how things are going with different schools and all that. But uh, that, that's just kind of my vibe as of right now that I, I think at the end of the day, Kentucky will, you know, more likely to get Oscar back than getting Hunter, I think. Yeah, that's uh that's true, and uh, I'm, I agree with you on that one too. And uh, I mean, it's—I think we've known this for what three or four weeks. Well, not really, maybe that long, but maybe when we started the intensity of Hunter Dickinson and Kentucky kind of picking up. And at first, we didn't think there was much there, and then John Calipari flies there and meets with him, and then he sets up the visit, and then you start getting some some legs to it. And when that started becoming a, a scenario, then we started kind of keying in, saying it's going to be one of the two. And that's going to be Kentucky's kind of big move. Is it a new face or is it a familiar face? That's what it comes down to. And uh, the rest of Kentucky's roster, I think, is pretty much set. Like you get Antonio Reeves back, and then I could see. I mean, could you do you see them adding anything else if if Oscar comes back? If it's just Oscar and Reeves, or do you see them going portal at another spot? If if Chris does indeed move on to the to the NBA draft, like. I'm starting to look at it and say that they don't. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, it, I I lean. It's tough because I, I think because tough. there are so many moving parts, they've considered the pos like j- they've considered the possibility of Jordan Dingle. They've considered the possibility of adding you know a stretch four kind of guy, but it's all kind of contingent on different things. So uh, I think if you get Reeves back, you get Oscar back. Just just for this, I think in assuming a do takes some type of jump, I think that that might be it. And I think it, unless, you know, Jordan Dingle's dying to come, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's complicated. It, it um, is because you don't want to be caught empty handed. Like you don't want to be caught hurting with depth, but you also don't want to 
deal with more, you know, mouths to feed and egos and stuff like that. Like it's this is really tri- like this is a really tough off season for Cal. And, I, and like, really and tough honestly, to navigate these waters. It is, and it's it's one of those things where you don't want to move. And, and I think Kentucky got caught to a spot here where you don't want to move and kind of spook somebody out. Maybe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or somebody out of their letter of intent, like we were talking about the Ron Holland situation. But, and and you mentioned depth a moment ago. Let, let's say that it isn't Hunter. Let's say that Oscar is what they get back. And that's the guy that they have the best relationship or the relationship with of two years. And they try to get a third year out of it. And we're essentially a three and a half years because he was here before that. But let's say that he's back and Reeves is back. I don't have any concerns about depth when I look at the roster. The, I think the depth, was kind of shored up when Ugo came back. I think that's where I kind of felt like, okay, you have some options now on the interior. You have elite rim protector. You've, you've got Bradshaw who can, we know, wants to play the four, could maybe slide and buy some minutes at the five if needed. If Lance is back, you have a body there that you can slide in and play. We've mentioned to do on this show, if he if he's back, you've got a guy that can slide and play some spots. I don't really have any concerns about depth. I guess the only concern then would be, does Kentucky find itself in a spot where it needed a, specialist at a role, maybe a stretch four that can can do some things off the bounce and shoot the ball a little yeah. bit. I think that that would be the kind of discussion that we'd be having. But when it comes to depth and bodies, I don't have any concerns about it because we know this is going to be a deep backcourt. Like I forget to mention Reed Shepard on some episodes just because I get so caught up talking about DJ and Rob and, and Justin and, and Reeves. But Reed's right there, a guy that could maybe find a role on this team. So I don't have many issues or concerns about depth overall if they get Oscar and Antonio back. Yeah. I do think that Reed is going to play a bigger part in this whole scenario than I anticipated. You know, I kind of thought from the beginning, knowing how good Reed was and yeah, he's a McDonald's all American, but I I just kind of had this, there's no way he's going to be more than a five minute. I could kind of see him being the Adu Thero type of guy where he's going to be kind of a situational thing. He might get 10 ish minutes every once in a while, but really he's going to be stuck to last guy off the bench, maybe a couple minutes here and there. But, you know, I'd heard some, some pretty interesting buzz. It's like expectation is uh, they are relatively high that, that Reed is going to be able to step in and make an impact pretty early. And I don't know if that means he's going to be a 25 minute get guy, but like, I do think that he's going to have a role on this team. And I think it's going to be like in a 10 to 15 minute type of situation, which I, you know, I didn't, it's not that I didn't give him enough credit, but I just didn't expect the staff to be that confident to for Reed to make that immediate of an impact, I guess is the best way to put it. But Early, I mean, it's they haven't even arrived on campus yet. They haven't even graduated from high school yet. But uh, there, there is a lot of optimism about what Reed is going to be, and sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I should clarify. Somebody mentioned when did Ugana become elite? I was talking about his rim protection. Like I, I think that we know that that's where he's elite defensively. I mean, we saw that in a limited role this year. Like he can affect the game with his length and his ability to block shots, and that's. That's what I think that he would be for this team. I'm not expecting a polished, put-together superstar out here, but when he plays, I do think that he can add some uh, some elite rim protection there that Kentucky hasn't had. So we'll see. Yeah, so Hunter is the, the 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 I think the the big domino to kind of set everything else into place. I think that they, um, as of yesterday – had he committed yesterday, Kentucky was not expecting to get 
Hunter. Um, there was, I know there's some tweets about a silent commitment here and uh, like, Oh, I'm told like Kentucky, if you know, and again, he's t- keeping a lot of this stuff close to vets. A lot of the information that comes uh, has come from Hunter. His, his recruitment has come from the other schools and basically like their feedback from how they think things have gone. So like a lot of the stuff did not come from Hunter directly it came from what he conveyed to the coaching staffs on these visits with all these these schools so it's it's what kansas is leaking what kentucky's leaking what maryland's leaking what villanova's leaking so it's really tough to get a read because it's all like there's all it's all weighted like every they it's all calculated with like i was told earlier on that the number that he was looking for with his recruitment was nine hundred thousand dollars to a million like that was the the kind of going rate for him that first eybl session and, you know, talking to some other guys, they were like, well, that's just Kansas, you know, trying to put the put the measuring stick out there because they know that they have a million lined up for them with NIL and they want everybody to compete with that. And it was kind of like everybody competing with each other through back channels about NIL and, oh, well, this is what he's expecting. And then, you know, hearing from Kentucky after the fact, they're like, he didn't come in and make any like. NIL demands like he didn't come in and say we expect 1.5 million dollars or we're walking like yes NIL was discussed and and he did talk about branding and how he'd be able to do that and Kentucky's confident in in its pitch but you know it's just funny how things are relayed and and kind of how things are weighted by different schools to kind of send a message to the other schools that are competing for them yeah it is very interesting how how those situations play and, and how things happen. And I, I know uh, I've, I've got all the comments and stuff pulled up here, and I know we're seeing a lot of questions about Kentucky's backcourt being full of youth. And if, if it is Antonio Reeves, him being the only really experienced guard coming back, but Jack, we've we've seen the experienced backcourt, you know, not work out and stuff. Like we, we've seen that, that not play out in Kentucky's favor when it comes to NCAA tournament success. But I feel like the upside and potential – of Kentucky's freshmen is kind of where this season goes. If they mature and progress, and the the reason I like it is there it's a high number of guys coming in. And not every every one of them we know, like I've said this multiple times, you're going to have your guys that rise, you're going to have your guys that drop, and you're going to have your guys that kind of are what we thought they were going to be or maybe somewhere middle of the pack. With a high number of guys coming in, if you get two of those freshmen to kind of emerge into elite status by the end of the year, then I think Kentucky's put itself in a position to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And that's why John Calipari, early in his career, he always said, I'll take talent over experience. And we know that this is young talent. And if you add some veteran guys, I think my concern would be, does it take away from Kentucky's ceiling where I want to see what these freshmen, I, I think that at first I was concerned about Kentucky being young, but as the spring has gone on, I think it's more so of a let, let's ride it out. Let's see if these freshmen catch some of the the younger days of John Calipari's tenure at Kentucky and kind of emerge into postseason stars. Connor Riggs says, can you talk about the Iverson Classic and what you liked and disliked from uh, the Kentucky guys? Uh, what did you think of the post game from uh, Allen Iverson, <laughs> him going up to Rob Dillingham and saying – like you got some Allen Iverson to you. Like I like the the third person stuff from <laughs> like too. a Hall of Fame NBA player. Like you know what you look like to me. You look like Allen Iverson. <laughs> yeah, you know Iverson. him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Allen uh, Allen Iverson, Rob Dillingham played very well. Um, 
got kind of the best and worst versions of him. And, and uh, the excitement was there. He was, I think, named to like Mr. Crossover or something at the event. I don't know what that means, but uh, that was the award that he won at the conclusion of it. But uh, you could see them kind of him and DJ developing some chemistry. They were going heads up against uh, Justin Edwards, who finished with 20 points and a losing effort. But he was also the co-MVP uh, alongside DJ Wagner. Um Aaron Bradshaw did was in what was invited but did not uh, show up, and it was at their high school. So that was a little concerning on my end personally. But uh, yeah. they announced it as an injury. Um, but I thought it was weird. Why would you not even just show up to the event that was hosted there for you uh, in your school? So I don't know. That, that's beside the point. But a very solid showing for all three uh, future Wildcats. Yeah, it felt normal, right, to see Kentucky guys kind of starring in all-star games throughout the spring, freshmen, incoming freshmen. It felt normal to me. Like, it was good to see that. You know, we hadn't – I mean, they've had guys. They've had McDonald's All-Americans. But, like, this recruiting class has had a lot more talk and hop around it in the last five months or so than maybe some of the ones prior to it the last few years, which we know that those classes didn't have great numbers coming in. They were They were lower – uh, number of classes. This is a big class Kentucky has coming in. So I thought it was encouraging to see them playing well. And uh, we we know that Rob is electric. We know that we've talked about Rob a lot on the show over the course of the last month. And you get the good and the bad with Rob. And his good is really good. And his bad can be really bad at times. But it's exciting. And uh, I think that he's going to deliver a lot of exciting moments in a, in a Kentucky jersey a few months from now. And uh, this entire class overall, like I thought, you know, Justin had a good spring. You've seen DJ doing his thing this spring. I, I thought all those guys have, have done well for themselves and kind of gotten Kentucky fans excited about what it could be. Uh, Champ, uh, 21, who continues to say that um, it's a done deal. UK is getting uh, Hunter Dickinson, which I appreciate your your uh, optimism. Kentucky doesn't feel that way, but um, I, I hope you know more than, than I do. That'd be great. Um, he says, where does a seven-man rotation rank on the Cal era list? Dilly. Wagner, Reeves, Edwards, Bradshaw, Dickinson, Ugana. What was that again? Dilly, Wagner, Reeves, Edwards, Bradshaw, Dickinson, Ugana as your seven. And I guess Reed and Adu would be your eight and nine, and Lance as your ten. I like it. I do. I, I like it. I like it because you've got – there we go. I can see it on the – on the screen. I was trying to find it down here. Um, I like that. I like that. Your options. I think you have guys that can slide and play some different roles, as I was saying, uh, and, and moving around. Like if, if you have foul trouble on the interior, you've got depth there with Bradshaw and Ugana. You've got depth in the backcourt, guys that can slide. And the thing with this backcourt is you've got multiple guys that can play with what? The ball in their hands. But you also have guys that can play off the ball. Like, I think there's a good balance there. Like, you can see Dillingham, you can see Wagner. We've we've seen Antonio Reeves get some experience last year with the ball in his hands and some middle ball screen. We also see Antonio working off the ball. I, I think that's important if you've got guys that can do it with the ball, without the ball, because then you're not pigeonholed into just one role. And then foul trouble doesn't kill you as much. Like I And, and I know there, there's been a ton of talk about can, can freshmen win it and, like, can, can Kentucky's youth. And we, we saw – I mean, that team in 2012 with Anthony Davis, look what Anthony Davis is doing in the playoffs right now. I mean, the, the dude, when he's healthy, Sick, looks like the best player in the game. And uh, it's really encouraging to see what he's doing. But we've seen it before. We saw Duke in 2015 
do what they did down the stretch with with a lot of youth and and things and and look we've we've tried the veteran experience roster for a bit and it hasn't worked out so don't hammer me for wanting to try what did work at one point and i thought that kentucky going youth has been better than kentucky going a ton of experience in recent years and talented youth i think is is a start and we know that this class doesn't rank up there with some of the best in college basketball that's fine all it has to do is it has to compete against what's in college basketball currently. And if this is the best of the best entering college basketball, Kentucky got it. John Han says, Tyler Perry update. Love Medea. The Medea movies are great, man. I, I, I'm a big fan. Um, I think he does great work and, and uh, I, I love it to death. Um, I think he's talking about Travis Perry. Yeah, I heard he's a really good scorer too. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's super versatile making diary of a mad black woman and uh put drop in 45 points uh, every every oh, game uh, taking over uh the all-time state oh. scoring record man he's super 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 I'm, versatile that's I'm, that's why kentucky wants him actually i'm, I'm sure i'll be getting an up close look at travis perry here in a few weeks so we'll uh i'll be able to give a pretty good scattering report on on travis <laughs> Give me till mid-June, though, when I'm sitting there actually maybe trying to figure out how to stop him. So we'll we'll talk about it. How cool is it? Um, did, did you see the update on the um, the the game that he's playing in December? I think that, yes. December. Um, about him playing at King Kelly Coleman's yes. old gym. I think that is super, super cool. And I'm, I'm really glad that acknowledging the history behind it and just the, the magnitude of it and wanting to kind of commemorate that in that way. I think, I think it's so cool, man. I, I'm, I'm very excited. I think that's actually the same date as the CBS sports classic. So I probably won't be able to physically be there. Uh, Which is in Atlanta, time. right? It is. This year. That's, it's, that's cool. Different. Place. Different. But no, uh, I think that, I think that's a really cool thing that they're doing. And uh, they're anytime you can add stuff to that, to, to the high school basketball, especially in the state of Kentucky. Like, and, and I think that Kentucky high school basketball is getting better and better and better, especially in central Kentucky and the northern part of the state. But we, I know coming from eastern Kentucky, and now I've made the move up here, like basketball in the state, like there's really talented players and, and, and guys that are, you know, earning Division One offers and stuff. And I, I think that it's really cool to see them showcase and do creative things like that. That's like uh, Bell County where I'm from, they're playing a game in the old gym where Hoosiers was filmed this year. Yeah. Like any, anytime you can do cool stuff like that for your program and stuff, I, I think it's a really cool thing to do. So I, I think that that's cool to see Travis getting to play in that environment. It's a really cool, really uh, cool thing to see. Unless any other questions come through, we're going to start wrapping up. But um, Kentucky reached out to Grant Nelson, the seven-footer uh, from North Dakota State, 17.9 points, 9.3 rebounds, shot 52% uh, from the field, you know, kind of the next big unicorn style of guy that everybody falls in love with. Uh, what do you think of um, Kentucky? You know, that's that's a guy that has a, a lot of NBA interest. And I, I'd heard just personally that his – first and top priority is to explore the pro route and, and really thoroughly evaluate the NBA and it's kind of NBA first and everything else second, but uh, throwing your hat in the ring for a guy that is clearly the most unique guy out there. Um, interesting, straight, interesting link link there. Yeah. Went, went straight to the top of, or near the top of the portal and mm -hmm. where guys rank. And when you have a guy that does that, you, you want to see your program who has needs at positions kind of, 
show interest and, you know, Kentucky showing interest. I've not got the watch tape on him. I have looked at his numbers. I've, I've not had a chance in the last day or so been so hectic on my end to trying to get things in order, but I am wanting to sit down and, and watch some tape on him, but his numbers look really good. And it, it, there are a lot of schools there showing interest, but that's kind of the, the guy in the portal that it's kind of the unicorn, right. That can, that does a, some different things and probably projects well as a pro when you look at some of the things that he does. What do you think is the significance of them reaching out to him in particular? I, I think that is what interests me. Uh, the timing is very interesting because he's a seven footer when Kentucky is actively recruiting one other seven footer and trying to get back another six foot nine, 255 pound center. Uh, it's a weird fit, very interesting fit. And it almost feels like you like the, it, he'd be a contingency plan, but also like, does that mean that they know or think they're not getting one person and like well, him maybe more than I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. Is it one of those that you're kind of just filling, filling it out, reading the room a little bit, maybe just kind of seeing, okay, just maybe gauging temperature. Is there interest here? Because is he going to be available by the time Kentucky's decision is made, whether it be Hunter Dickinson or Oscar Sheboy? Like if Hunter Dickinson goes elsewhere, has Oscar made a decision on on his future yet? Like was that Kentucky just putting its name in the hat, maybe just reaching out, touching base, and finding to see if there is any interest there? Uh, when it comes to to fit and things, I mean, when you look at numbers, I mean, the, the three-point shooting is not like crazy good. Like it's not like it's a – a number that just pops off the page at you that you have to go and have to add it. But I, I do think that he is one of the better players to enter the portal. And if he plays college basketball next season, and he, he could certainly make an impact and adjust the rankings of where teams are slotted going into the season. Uh, but I am interested to see that, you know, Kentucky's been picky when it comes to who they've reached out to and who they've targeted yeah. and, and made connections to. So like, this off season. So I, I do think that there is something to, to take from that. I'm just not sure what it is, if that makes sense, because I think Kentucky's so invested in Hunter Dickinson, Oscar Sheboy that I don't really know if there's room to add a, a third guy, but you keep, you've said it before. You don't want to be left standing there with nothing to show for. Is that why Kentucky did that? Does Kentucky know something that maybe we don't know? Yeah, it's it, because when they reached out to Jamarion Sharp with WKU, that was a pure contingency plan for Ugo. Yeah. When they thought they were losing Ugo, they said, we just got to go get the best shot blocker in the portal. Yeah, That made sense. This is, I mean, the 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 interest kind of coincides directly with Kentucky recruiting two other centers, one to return and one to come out of the portal. So uh, it, it, is, it is interesting. And Ben from Kentucky mentioned that, um, Kansas also is reaching out to Grant Nelson. So, you know, maybe it's not Hunter related at all, you know, it's interesting. Just, just tea leaves, you know, just re reading as many as possible to, uh, gather one big consensus on, on, on all this fun stuff. It's, it's, it's been a really interesting off season with just decisions and how things are going like with the NIL aspect being thrown into things and, schools offering ridiculous money and uh, it's, it's just created a very interesting dynamic uh, of how Kentucky is recruiting and, and who they're recruiting and just how the, this, the whole roster shakeups has just been very, very fascinating this offseason. And, and I will say this, that this is why it's important to have your class solidified before you get to spring in the years that Kentucky's done that when they get all their signees and stuff in the fall and a bigger class, 
you're not sitting here in the portal having to search and search and search and find and hope and, and things like that. Like, I think we went into this offseason kind of knowing maybe 80 to 85% of what Kentucky basketball will look like in 23, 24. It was kind of the the five position. We, with Oscar, now with Hunter Dickinson kind of burst onto the scene. And then your Antonio Reeves. I think even going into the end of the season, we kind of already maybe slid Antonio into a role at Kentucky with an extra year. So I, I think this has probably been when it comes to the there's not many spots available on this roster and i think that's what's made it so hard to follow is because we're like okay w- what does kentucky do and then ugana's decision and his scenario was probably added some intrigue and some flair and stuff to the to the offseason that we probably didn't expect a few months ago and and things it's it's been a weird one like it's been one that's been really hard to kind of follow but when you step back from it, it's not been one that's really concerned me because I think Kentucky majority of the roster has been solidified and in place. And now it's about getting to me that final piece. And I think it's been about the final piece for about six weeks. And it's just, which one is it? Um, well, we'll wrap up with this, kind of tie these both together. Deonce, uh live and Morgan Zaleski. Deonce says, among the schools recruiting HD, who do you think – uh, who do you feel UK's greatest competition is? And then Morgan Zaleski says, as a Maryland fan, I still think no one knows. I think both of those things are very accurate mm-hmm. and together. And, and like I said earlier, it's you're not getting anything from Hunter directly. It, like n- nothing that I've said on this show is straight from Hunter. It is what Hunter has conveyed to the, all of the other staffs involved. And also the confidence that the staffs involved are conveying to the general public and through back channels and leaking to certain, you know, what they want out there and how they want out there. There's a reason that, like, when I say that Kansas is the most confident out of all of them and they have put out there that they're willing to match any offer for Hunter Dickinson out there, it's, I mean. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a reason for it. I mean, that, that's very calculated. That's a very calculated thing to say. Well, it doesn't matter what anybody else is offering because we're going to offer more. Ha ha ha. Like, you know, that, that's a PR, like that's a PR thing. They are confident and talking on Kentucky side, like they were not expecting to land him yesterday. And then when I reached out about today, because there was some buzz about him potentially announcing today, they're like, first I've heard of it. I've, you know, don't know on my end. I think Kentucky, I think Kentucky is like, they're not in the game right now. I think they're not like trying to like dive into the tea leaves and go, well, where is he? Like, I think they're like, you know what? We gave our pitch. He either likes it or don't. He went on the, his podcast and in the 37 minutes of hot garbage, he did present some pretty interesting stuff about Kentucky and the visit and what he liked about it. And, and you know, we talked about the strength and conditioning stuff and the, the player development. Like there was a lot to like about the visit. Facilities were not great, but, Every, and that was conveyed through mom more than anything. But um, there was a lot to like about Kentucky. And and I think Kentucky is done with the trying to get to the bottom of this. They're like, you know what? We're not going to play into the drama. We're not going to try to 
put stuff out there to build suspense or hype. I think they're just like, you know what? He either comes or he doesn't. And if he doesn't come, we are going to go all in on Oscar Sheway and see if he's going to come back. And if Oscar doesn't come back, then we're going to go either find the best center in the portal or get Grant Nelson or yeah. go all in with Ugo and add another four. Like, I think they're just, they are done with the drama and they're going to just kind of take this one step at a time. And I think that's probably the best way to handle a really tricky situation. It is. And I, I guess that's the scenario that I've not allowed myself to even entertain at this point is what does Kentucky do if it doesn't get Hunter? And if Oscar doesn't come back, that's the one that I've not even really played out because I don't know. Do they add someone late or do they roll with what they got? Does the interior Bradshaw, Ugana, Lance? Cool. I don't know. That'd be a tricky one. It would be a tricky one. You better be really, really good at guard and uh, hope that one of those guys kind of catches some stardom there on the interior with extended minutes. Because I do think that they have two young pieces on the interior in – Ugana and Bradshaw that have higher upside than what Oscar Shibway has. Oscar Shibway is really good at his role, but I think the other two actually have a lot more upside and project better as professional basketball players than what Oscar does. And we know that Oscar's pro stock is what it is. It's actually lower than what it was and probably doesn't climb at all with another year at Kentucky. The benefit at Kentucky another year is he makes money that he can't make as a professional basketball player in 23, 24. Like there's a lot of interesting kind of storylines and narratives around all these decisions with where Kentucky is right now. And I hope that we can maybe officially talk about this roster here in about two to three weeks. That's my hope because right now it's a lot of dancing around. I know people, I think we've given people some good stuff on the show. We've talked about the roster in depth and pieces, but I know, it, I know it's frustrating. It's frustrating because we want to know what it looks like. You think John Calipari wants to know what it looks like? Absolutely because he wants to get the ball rolling and, and kind of be like, okay, where are we and what are we going to be? Well, somebody that I'm very confident in to be on my roster personally is myperfectfranchise.net and Andy Ludicky, a franchise consulting company that helps others find franchises that would fit their needs, skill sets, investment requirements, and time commitment constraints. You might have seen Andy's name on KSR before as he sponsors some of our recruiting coverage. Andy is super nice, great to chat with, and we are very excited to continue our partnership. Andy is an experienced entrepreneur, and he has been helping others go through the same process that changed his life 10 plus years ago. If you're wanting to find a way out of corporate America or a way to diversify, please reach out to Andy as he's got a ton of knowledge in this world. And best of all, his services are 100% free to you as always nothing ventured nothing gained you can learn more and contact andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net uh sean i'm hoping that next time we talk and you know I'm, I'm hoping that the talk of a like random announcement today i doubt it but like i'm hoping that we get some like random announcement and we have to jump back on here in an hour and a half and, and talk about it that'd be fantastic because it means we don't have to talk about hunter dickinson anymore and listen to another marty mush podcast like that'd be fantastic I'd, I'd really love that opportunity um so i'm hoping the next time we talk is whether no matter what the news is it's it's just it's closure on a very um close to vest recruitment that is it's like oddly refreshing how close to vest it is but it's also like all right let's get this thing wrapped up and figure figure out what's next and um hopefully the next time we talk that that will be the case yeah, hopefully. And uh, 
shouldn't be in a car. I'm glad to be sitting in a, in a place in a chair with a microphone and lighting and my phone, not 95 degrees on the dashboard. Like that's good. You're not next to it. Yeah. Like, uh, it's good. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, got some good episodes coming here in May. Like, I, I think that we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about over the course of the next month and then into June and honestly expecting a busy summer, especially with Kentucky playing. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be following along the, the, the entire way. We're uh, having a blast with appreciate all of our listeners. Again, the, uh, uh feedback was, was crazy and I we appreciate all the comments and just conversation that, that has been going on in the show. I appreciate each and every one of our listeners. Sean, let's get out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter uh, at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email, JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for their jam-packed Source to Say podcast. We will see you then. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.